0: Welcome to Catalytic Leadership, the podcast designed to help leaders intentionally grow and thrive. Here is your host, author and leadership and executive coach, Dr. William Attaway. Hey, it's William, and this is episode three of our first season of the Catalytic Leadership podcast. Each week, we tackle a topic related to the field of leadership. And my goal is to ensure that you have actionable steps You can take from each episode to grow in your own leadership. As has been said many times by Craig Rochelle. when a leader gets better, everybody benefits. Your team, your department, your customers, your clients, your spouse, your kids, everybody. I'm excited as we continue this new journey together, so let's jump right in. Today, we're continuing our discussion of what I call the one non-negotiable for catalytic leadership, a teachable spirit. On the last episode, I shared the first two of five ways I've developed over the years to address a drift into mediocrity in your leadership. This begins with your mindset, something I coach leaders regularly on. Success and failure can be traced to your mindset, and your mindset is something you can take charge of and have control over. It's a discipline that you can develop, and you must if you want to become a catalytic leader. I've practiced this in my own leadership and as I coach others. If you missed the last episode, you can go back and listen to the first two ways to be intentional about developing a mindset that avoids the drift into mediocrity. Today, we'll talk about the remaining three. The third way that I avoid the drift into mediocrity is by choosing the environments that I'm in. The environments that we're in matter far more than we think. Is affirmation part of your environment? Are you intentionally choosing to put yourself in places that will challenge you, that will make you think differently, and that will help you grow beyond where you are today? Environments are often dismissed as irrelevant and overrated, but they are significant. From the physical environment in which we work, to the emotional environment of the team with which we work, to the spiritual environment that we operate in, each of these can affect what we do, in how we do it. You might think, well, I don't have full control over my environment at work. Fair enough. Sometimes you don't. But don't let what you can't choose or control stop you from doing and controlling what you can. Sure, for 40 or 50 hours a week, you might not have full control of your environment. But there are 168 hours in a week, every week. What are you doing intentionally with the rest? What are some things you can do in your work environment to make small changes that could make a big difference? Here are a few questions to get you thinking. Who do you choose to spend your time with? We talked about this in the last episode. The people that you spend time with have tremendous influence on your life, your mindset, and ultimately, your success. The people you spend time with, this is part of the environment that you create. Another question, what conferences are you choosing to attend to stretch your leadership? What workshops or seminars are you attending to help you move from where you are today to where you want to be? What books are you choosing to read to saturate your thoughts? What are the environments like where you spend most of your time? These questions reflect how purposeful you are about the environments you choose. Here's a principle no matter where you lead. Growth happens in conducive environments. For me, when I'm writing, I prefer a low-noise environment. But when I'm planning or strategizing, conversation with other people will help bring out the best ideas. Discover how you are wired and what environments bring out the best in you. The people around you matter. They affect your environment and your workspace can add to or subtract from your motivation. Maybe it's the temperature in the room for you, or the decor, or the color of the walls. Maybe it's the volume of ambient noise, or the need for some soft or loud music. All of these and more contribute to the environment, and environments always matter. Fourth, I avoid the drift into mediocrity through consistent evaluation and my weekly review. Many years ago now, I instituted a practice that continues to this day. Every week, I review the past week and I plan for my upcoming week. I look back and I think, what did I learn this week? What went right? What are my wins? Capture those. Celebrate the wins. So often, we we want to run to the next thing. We want to think about the next mountain, the next goal to achieve. But But pause. Celebrate those wins. Next, I ask what went wrong. What decisions would I make differently next time? What can I learn from the conversations that I had with team members? How can I better equip and inspire others through my words and actions? Then I look forward to the week ahead. What are the meetings that I have scheduled this week? What preparation do I need to do mentally and otherwise for those meetings so I can bring my best? As John Maxwell has said, asking the right questions is the first step in getting to the right answers. Those questions and others help me to learn from what's happened and to prepare for what's ahead. Abraham Lincoln once said, give me six hours to chop down a tree and I will spend the first four sharpening the axe. I tell my daughters the old British Army adage all the time, prior planning and preparation prevent poor performance. When I'm in a difficult season as a leader that just seems packed with obstacles and adversity, I think about a quote from Michael Hyatt. What does this season make possible? Your current season might be difficult, challenging, no doubt about it. I've experienced seasons like that. No one can foresee the future and tell us exactly what it's going to look like on the other side. But leaders, I challenge you, think about that sort of season a little differently. Again, John Maxwell, he said, leaders see more than others see, and they see before others see. Leaders have a different way of looking at the world, and we see a different picture than what others might see. Others see problems. Leaders, we see possibilities. There's another quote in this same vein by Albert Einstein. In the middle of every difficulty lies opportunity. It's easy to see your current circumstances as hard. Anyone can do that. Leaders ask this question, what does this season make possible? What possibilities exist now? that did not before? What opportunities are now visible? What new potential is there that I didn't see before? Evaluate, review, and ask the right questions. Warren Bennis, who is considered to be an early pioneer in the field and study of leadership, was once asked what makes great leaders fail. He had three responses. First, he said, the leader could not abandon their ego. The interference of ego is the death of leadership. Second, the leader could not adapt to a changing world. And third, the leader stopped learning. Man, I hope that is never true of you or of me. Catalytic leaders never stop learning. That's part of cultivating a teachable spirit. And evaluation is a key part of learning. Fifth, the last way I coach leaders to cultivate a teachable spirit and avoid the drift into mediocrity is to invest your learnings into other leaders. The best way to learn something is to teach it. When I share what I'm learning with other people, it drives that learning deeper into my own life. Often in the process of sharing, another leader will share an insight or ask a question that will make that learning even better and more helpful for me and for other people. If leaders don't develop other leaders, new leaders don't get developed. A non-leader does not develop leaders. Now, you can learn from anybody, to be sure, even from non-leaders or from those you're investing in. But leaders develop leaders. That's just how it works. And when you're developing leaders, don't just talk at them. Listen, you might be surprised what you learn. I certainly have been. Humility is always the choice of catalytic leaders. Jim Collins profiled this in his classic book, Good to Great. And John Dixon traced the history of our cultural valuing of humility in his book, Humilitas. Humility is a key trait of great leaders. Dixon divines humility simply as the noble choice to forego your own status and use your influence and power for the good of others, not yourself. And don't forget Robert Greenleaf's book, Servant Leadership, published decades ago, but still a valuable resource for any leader who's willing to put this into practice. If you're a follower of Jesus like I am, you know the source of the concept of servant leadership. In Matthew's biography of Jesus, we read, Jesus called them together and said, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first must be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus said, not so with you. You don't lead by lording your position, your power, or your authority over others. Instead, you lead others by serving them. Investing my learnings into other leaders reminds me of that core principle and helps me to cultivate a teachable spirit. Leaders, just like in our last episode, I'm going to challenge you again to make a commitment. Choose every day. No one will ever be more teachable than me. Develop the mindset that focuses on excellence and avoids the drift into mediocrity. Leaders model a teachable spirit. It begins at the top and it works its way down through the organization. Thanks for joining me for this episode today. Now as we wrap up, I have a request for you. I'd love for you to do two things. First, subscribe to this podcast so you don't miss an episode. And if you find value here, I'd love it if you would rate it and review it. That really does make a difference in helping other people to find this podcast. Second, if you don't have a copy of my newest book, Catalytic Leadership, I'd love to put a copy in your hands. If you'll go to catalyticleadershipbook.com you can get a copy for free. Just pay the shipping so I can get it to you, and we'll get one right out. My goal is to put this into the hands of as many leaders as possible. This book captures principles that I've learned in 20-plus years of coaching leaders in the entrepreneurial space, in business, government, nonprofits, education, and the local church. You can always connect with me on LinkedIn or at catalyticleadership.net to keep up with what I'm learning and thinking about. And stay tuned for our next episode next week. Until then, as always, leaders, choose to be catalytic. Thanks for listening to Catalytic Leadership with Dr. William Attaway. Be sure to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts so you don't miss the next episode. Want more? Go to catalyticleadership.net.